Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Listen, I'm going to let you teach because I, I know it's going to be good. And um, well, I hope it's good. Well, I, I'll tell you what, when Pastor Edwin speaks, that's when I really hope it's good. See, you didn't get the mic, you understand. I, you knew I was getting the mic. You, okay, you're getting it at the end? Well, I'm going to take it back. You, you better hush. You know we're joking. I, if, you're, if you're new here, they, some of I'd you don't know. Lay my life down for this. That pastor. your pastors are some of our favorite people in the world. Yeah. They're in the top five. <laughs> well, maybe the top 20. But <laughs> In fact, Pastor Angela was at our wedding, my, uh, Ray and I, when we got married. The only pastor besides Bob Yandy and our pastor at the time was her. But, but I was thinking how good he is. And when I think about these stories, you know, how people come. Because I just mentioned to her on my way out, I said, have you ever thought about coming to Ramah? You know, and she said it just something just clicked. You know, just you know, Bible school. You know, just you know. I mean, I mean, I didn't go to Christ for the Nations. You know, I like Christ for the Nations, but you understand what I'm saying. I thought, well, you get all the basics. You know, there you'll really get a spirit of faith. You know, and um, and love. Dad Hagen was such a love man. And then I thought about the the story about a man. Uh, I'm going to share this story, and then I'm going to give it to Lois. And um, Somebody caught it, and uh, the one lady caught it. Great. And I, I was thinking about how much he loved us, and you know how much he he loved and gave himself for us, and how we don't just people always say, "Well, just walk in love." Well, I have a, I think, well, why don't you become it, so that you don't have to be careful how you treat everybody or what you do or. You know, this world is crazy. They're looking for somebody who doesn't think. They're looking for somebody that, you know, can you really have peace when everything's going wrong? Well, I can only do it because of him. Or can you really love people when they do such ugly things? Oh, aren't you glad he loved you? And still does? In spite of things every day or, you know, just different things that may go on? And so I heard this story about this man who his wife had had um, gotten on the internet and found what she thought you know was love. You know, really, you really can't love if you don't know God. You know why? Because God is love. This world is so backwards. This story I'm getting ready to tell you, every every secular counselor would have a cow with this story. You know what I mean? They have a cow with us anyway, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Because we just don't think like this world. We're not of this world. We don't think. We don't even come close to it. And so, so she got, you know, mystified by this person. And, and uh, so she left her husband for this person she had met online. And, um, and so the husband was, was devastated. Can you guys see me okay here when I'm down here? Because... I used to always pray I'd be, you know, faith. Like I'm, I'm tall, slender, and blonde. But I'm just short, Jewish, and plump. Anyway, so 
And, um, and so uh, he was complaining to the Lord. He was crying and crying. He was devastated. He was screaming at the, at the top of his voice. He was saying, God, what have you done? Why did you let this happen to me? How come we always say, why did you let this happen to me? But we do. Been there, done that. Why did you let this happen to me? I've got two small, two small children without their mother. What's going on? Why? I'm devastated, God. So after he did this for, for about a week, all of a sudden he heard God, the voice of God, and he said, Clarence, he said, would you stop talking like that? And he said, Clarence, he said, you don't have a problem. And Clarence said, is this some kind of a joke? I'm holding divorce papers. My wife's in the arms of another man, and I've got two small children in there. Is this a joke? He said, Clarence, listen to me. You don't have a problem. Your wife is in trouble. Would you pray for her? think it's the other person that's a problem when actually this world is in trouble. He said, you've loved. He said, I've given you my love just as I've loved the world. I'll give it to you. But do we really understand it? He said, the way they acted like she did was she's in trouble but you're not because you see you didn't do it she did but would you pray for her as believers we are so different counselors would say well to shut the door but as believers it's different for us not unless we've specifically been told. I'm not shutting that down. I'm just saying we've done that enough. Let's look at the other side of the coin. You know, I don't listen to news hardly at all anymore. They're so confused. What she's trying to say is you can't pray for somebody if you're disgusted. If you're disgusted with someone, you can't pray effectively for them. You know, if you're disgusted, well, I'm just disgusted with what they do. No, I want to get on my knees and go, oh, God, I know, I know, whereby if not for, for you, but the grace of God on my life, I'd be in the same mess today. That's why the devil hates me. I keep him in con con constant disturbance. But he said, then she found out she was pregnant, and she said, oh, God, I thought everything. She came into town later on quite a long time later on and he met with her and she said I'm so sorry I, I know some people say yeah they better say they're sorry you know really it's none of your business if they say you're sorry it's your business to love like God loves us that's your business and to pray and he said oh he said he said, it's okay. He said, I never even thought as you as ever having left. God really got a hold of me. And she was pregnant. She said, I thought everything was going to be all right. 
that she found out she was pregnant. He said, everything is all right. He said, life comes from God. We'll take that baby and raise it. We'll never talk about this again. Wow. We'll never talk about it again. And they didn't. They let it go. And this is love, that we love one another. As Christ loved us. The guy who couldn't pay the, you know, the guy that didn't, didn't give. He said, what's that story? Um, you guys, listen, if I'm up here, you can be up here. Just believe it. That story. Oh, the guy who did all the talents, you know, he, he, owed, him a, he, owed, him a, he owed him a debt. And, and the ruler forgave him. And then he turned around to somebody else. I said, what are you thinking? What were you thinking? Take that out of your vocabulary. Because Clarence said, what was done in a moment of darkness or years of darkness, we don't need to give it a voice when it's been covered by the blood of Jesus. That's the way I want to live. I want to live like him. And then, he, and then somebody told on him, and then the ruler, the ruler came back and said, how can you let it go? You know, because you think, well, well, he was forgiven. And then you turn around and do that, and then we say, well, I just can't believe they did that. Because I heard Brother Hagin the other day on, on the tape talking about it. He said, don't even get involved with that kind of talk. He said, don't do that. And then, and then you know why? Because he wanted to get that kind of pardon, that kind of release, but he didn't want to become it to somebody else. We want to get it. Oh, I'm redeemed. <laughs> I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm whole. And then somebody comes up, and then you know, and then they're going, "Oh man, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with them?" They got the same thing. He wanted to get it. He didn't want to become the love. Of God. And I'm telling you, church, in this world today, they can say what they want to, trying to take crosses down and stuff. I just talked to someone in France, and they said, they said, right now the banks all across, all across France shut their doors to the churches. You cannot get a loan from the bank. She's just talking to the person that we're looking at to go to in June. I mean, well, she was just talking, you know, she was, she was just saying, they shut it down. No churches can get banks, you know. I mean, no churches can get money from a bank. You know, I'm thinking, I wonder how many churches here in, in, the, in the states would fare with it. <laughs> but they said, but we believed God. Church. And the daughter of the bank owner came to our service and joined the church. And she went back to her dad and she said, I don't care what they say, Dad. You need to give those people some money. And they just got a Is new building. Is that the building. Holy Ghost? They just got a new building. They just got a new building. And they said, we want you to come and help dedicate it. But <laughs> we got to become it. We can't just say, oh, I walked over here and I walked over here and I walked. We say, no, 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 no. 
That's why when I, I watch TV or the news or something, I go, no, 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 God help them. They need help. Open their eyes. The eyes of their heart are flooded with the knowledge of Christ. Oh, God, open their eyes. 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 Open their eyes, Lord. They just need to see you, Lord. They just need to see you, Lord. They just need to see you, Lord. I know I was blind. I've been, I was blind more than once. Oh, but God, I thank you that I saw, and I saw it, and I saw it, and I know now. I know, I know it, I know it. I want to help somebody else. I want to help them know the Word of God is true. Every word in there is true, and you can speak it forth, and it will come to pass. Faith, faith, faith in God's Word is what brings it about. And you say it whether you feel it or not. Hallelujah, Lois. I like what uh, Acts 16 says when it was talking about when uh, Paul and Silas were going on their journeys as they were led of the Holy Ghost. It says in Acts 16, I was uh, reading this today and I, I, I'm going to read it to you. Um, the first few verses of Acts 16 talking about Paul. He said, he came to Derby and Lystra. Verse 1, and a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. In other words, he wasn't just somebody who showed up one night, said, I'd like to, I think I ought to be recognized to do something. He was well spoken of. He was somebody he knew. That they were known of the brethren. When he's talking about the brethren, he's talking about uh, those who are connected together under the call of God, which we call the church, the called out ones. And the Bible says um, uh, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. That's how he got connected with Paul. Every person who got connected with Paul or in any ministry capacity in the Bible came through the operation of the church. Of Jesus Christ, and as you can, and I can show you where uh, more of that, but that's not what I'm talking on tonight. Paul wanted him to go with him. He took him. He circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the degree decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem, speaking of the church in Jerusalem. And this is what I wanted to get to, all of that, so you understand what the purpose of all of that was for. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So the purpose of this, uh, uh, the ministry that they were, the trip that they were on, was so that the churches would be increased and strengthened in the faith. And you can read that about every single one of Paul's trips and uh, understanding the importance of keeping, you could say, no matter what you're, um, what you're doing, if you want to kind of put your checklist uh, to understand if what you're doing is what the Holy Spirit would like you to do, you can kind of make sure it's doing what it did in the Bible when the Holy Spirit would tell him to do something. The churches were strengthened in the faith. In other words, the activity was connected with the churches. Do you understand? Not separated from it. The increase and the strengthening of the, uh, the fruit that proved that what they were doing was, uh, according to the Bible, was uh, on track, was the churches being strengthened and increased. 
And so, um, so now I want you to go on in to this next um, um, part of the, the story here. Verse 6, it gets into what some uh, Bibles, my, in my Bible, New King James calls the Macedonian call. So we understand that the purpose of all of this was more than just, well, Paul just wanting to, you know, go out somewhere. I need somewhere to preach. The, it was a strategic work of God uh, that had to do and connected with the strengthening and increase of the churches. And it said that in more than one place, and I, 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 this really uh, something that you just should consider. It says it in... Uh, 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 throughout all of, as, as you look through, well, you, I'll back it up here real quick. In Acts 14, when you want to see after he was in uh, Lystra, Iconium, and he had been, he had been um, uh, left for dead, dragged out of the city in Antioch and Iconium. Remember, it's where it started in Antioch in Acts uh, uh, 13. But in Acts 14, um, they stoned Paul and drug him out of the city. And uh, they thought he was dead, but the disciples gathered around him and he rose back up and went back into Derby and with Barnabas. And then he preached uh, the gospel of that city, made many disciples, returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. That was all those places he started his first missionary journey with. And it says he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying we must, uh, through many tribulations, enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, he said, it's not all going to be fun and games, boys and girls, but it's going to be worth it. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended him to the Lord in whom they had believed. So you can see the very first missionary journey connected with the church. Do you see that? And for those of you who don't know, the church in the New Testament uh, is a word that's defined the majority of the time, in 90 out of 114 reference, as a local, visible, public assembly of people. It was a uh, secular term in Greek society, but Jesus took it and said, this will be uh, the fruit of the empty tomb will be churches, men, women who are called together for a purpose that is greater than any single problem. And my presence in the midst of them will make their assignment possible. Hallelujah. It's not possible because you're all that smart. It's possible because of who he is. And so he set them on this journey and set them on this assignment. But as they get here in uh, Acts chapter 16, um, before I read that, let me, no, that's okay, I'm going to read it. Now when they had gone through Phrygia, and the, I'm going back to Acts 16 now, in verse 6, and the regions of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And so it says they come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit would not permit them. So they passed by Mysia, they came down to Troas. In other words, they're not sure where they're going to go next, but they are following the direction of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to do something in your life? And maybe it's, you know, you'd like to go a certain direction, but if you go that way, there's a sense, you know, the Bible says that the, the sons of God, the, the, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And when he leads you, he leads you in a, a place, the Bible says he is our umpire. And there's a peace, a direction that comes from him always gives you a sense of peace. You may not always know what to do, all of it. In fact, you probably won't. 
but you'll know what to do next. And then by faith, you hold yourself steady and in position until you got the next piece. And so they didn't know what to do, but they, and so they wouldn't go where they didn't know to go. But then it says, now this is supernatural. This is, this is, and this is new, this is our tribe. This is the same group we're in. And so the Bible says that uh, in verse uh, uh, 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him and said, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So after he'd seen the vision immediately, he said, We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And I like how the, uh, let's see, I'm going to um, skip. I'm, Skipping down here, in the Message Bible it said, A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, Come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. That's the Message Bible. I like that. God will reroute your life. He will put you, he knows where the new roads are. He knows where they are. He knows not necessarily it's not always the fastest route, but it's the most sure one. It's the one that you know. It's like if you're, you know, walking through a minefield and you see footprints, step in them. It's the one he's going on. And that's the one you want to take. But the Bible says that as he uh, begins to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he says that he has determined that he is to preach the gospel to them. Now we have seen, I just don't have, this is just kind of a tag along thing for tonight. But there, his purpose in preaching the gospel to them was to cause churches to be established, to be strengthened and increased. Praise God. Do you understand that? And so keep that in mind as we go through this story. He's preaching the gospel to them. And so they sailed from Troas and they ran this course to come to Neapolis. And they came to Philippi, which was the first city in that part of Macedonia. And they stayed there for a while. And they spoke to the women as they went down. I'm skipping through a little bit here. Named Lydia. And the Lord opened her heart. And her and her household were baptized. And she said, just come to my house and stay here. So now they're starting to cause... Uh, men and women who are hearing the voice of God to come together and they're connecting with him and now he's got a place to stay. <laughs> and so the Bible says now they come through and it happened there in prayer and a little slave girl who's possessed with the spirit of divination. She's a, a psychic. She's telling fortunes and he comes across her and she's in the street and he looks at her and after she says something to him and, uh, and I won't get into that but it says that he says to her in verse 18, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ come out of her so now we see him facing the evil powers of that day with the name of Jesus the same name you and I put our faith in and he's doing this as he's going to preach the gospel and so the churches will be established established in what not in his ability but God's ability and the Bible says, as she uh, is instantly delivered. And you think, that's a good thing. And it is a good thing, unless that's your leading uh, uh, television star, and now your show's off the air. 
You know what I'm saying? Kind of what the way it was then. All of a sudden, their source of gain is gone, and they got really upset. So they take Paul and Silas, and they they bring them before the 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 uh, rulers, and the and they they the Bible says they beat them publicly. They humiliate and try to just uh, so just you know embarrass them publicly that there were they're trying to cause them to give up. They're hoping they'll say it's not worth it. In fact, uh, I, I, uh, I read this uh, quote from William Booth. He says, what are you living for? What is the deep secret purpose that controls and fashions your existence? William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. He said, why do you eat and drink? What is, what is the end of your marrying, your giving in marriage, your money making, your toiling, your planning? Is it the salvation of souls, the overthrow of the kingdom of evil, the setting up of the kingdom of God? If not, you may be religious, but I don't see how you can be a Christian. And then he went on and he said this. I've read this before and every time I read it, it impacts my heart. Uh, so greatly. He said, most Christian organizations would like to send their workers to Bible college for five years. I would like to send our workers to hell for five minutes. That would prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. He said, most Christian, remember he started the Salvation Army. Most Christian organizations would like to send their workers to Bible college for five years. Nothing wrong with Bible college. But he said, I would like to send our workers to hell for five minutes. That would be all it would take to prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. When I read this, I thought about a story. I always think about this story that a pastor friend of ours told about meeting with someone who um, had a wonderful outreach to people, uh, kids who come off the streets in the city, and, and he uh, was just, you know, talking with our pastor friend, and our pastor friend was just saying, you know, because his... his um, his way of reaching these kids was so effective. And he said, could you tell me how you do it? How do you do it? And I'll never forget, he was telling the story of how this man looked at him. And he said, oh, Pastor Mike, you don't need to know how I do it. You need to know why I do it. Because if you know why I do it, you'll figure out how. And when... I read this quote by William Wilberforce. I'm sorry, not William Wilberforce. Uh, uh, William Booth. I thought about that story because that's what he's saying. You want to go to Bible school for five years? That's great. But if all you figure out is how, you need to know why. Go to, he said, but if I, can, if I could send my workers to hell for five minutes, that would be all that would be necessary for them to know why. And so here is Paul, and he's in the middle of conflict. I'm telling you, it's not a day that he's, you know, hoping to repeat. It's a difficult day. But he knew why he was there. He wasn't doing this because he was, the, uh, he was depending on his ability or his wisdom or his strength. I'm telling you, it's not because he was just trying to build a big church. He was trying to build ki the kingdom of God and the souls of men. He said, come over. He heard, he saw in the vision. Help us. Come over and help us. And Paul said, I know what will help you. And I'm on my way. And I'm not quitting until the assignment is fulfilled. 
And the Bible says after they took Paul and Silas and they threw them in jail. Now watch this because this is really important. It says they threw them in jail in verse 23 in prison and they commanded the jailer to keep them securely. And so the Bible says he received this charge. He put them in the inner prison. He fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I have a feeling I know why they were praying and singing hymns to God. Because they knew we might be in jail, but we're not going to have jail in us. It wasn't so much. They weren't trying to get out of jail. They were trying to have God's presence in the jail. Because if God's presence is there, it changes everything. And the Bible says that the prisoners heard them. Remember that. Because it goes on and as we read the rest of the story, the prisoners are listening and suddenly there's a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison are shaken and immediately all the doors are open. Everyone's chains are loosed. So it's not just Paul and Silas whose chains are falling off. Everyone's chains are falling off. And so the Bible says that the keeper of the prison awoke from sleep. He saw the prison door open. He thought the prisoners had fled. And so he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. So the, the jailer thought, well, if all the chains are off and the doors are open, surely everybody is gone. But the Bible says, to his surprise, Paul called to him with a loud voice and said, Do yourself no harm. We are still here. Woo! I like what one, uh, I think it's the Message Bible says, We are still here. Don't give up. Now listen. You might know how to pray, and you might know how to praise, and you might be able to keep yourself entertained a few hours, but when you are in a jail, and you are in a prison, and everybody's chains falls off, and all the doors open, and nobody leaves, because they don't want to miss the service. <laughs> Honey, you got a prayer, praise, service going on. Do you understand what I'm saying? How could he have that kind of effect? I'm telling you right now, he knew why he was there. It wasn't just let me figure out what to do next. It was I don't know what's going to happen next, but I know the one who does, and I'm going to make sure that he's a part of what's happening right now. And the Bible says all the prisoners' chains had fallen off. And not one of them left. Do you know what history tells us? Uh, Josephus and Bible scholars tell us that these prisoners and this jailer were part of the Philippian church. Woo, what was he there for? I'm not just here to just sing a song and leave. I'm here so that the fruit of the empty tomb is going to be accomplished in this place. And devil, what you sent to stop it will just be used to ignite it. Hallelujah. That's exactly what happened. Exactly what the devil sent to stop it was used to ignite it. I'm sorry. I'm just, 
I just, I wish I, if I had my jog suit on right now. But I'm here to tell you what happened in that jail cell. It didn't stop the will of God. It ignited it. I love when he says, I was reading this one day. I'd read it many times. And those words, we are still here. Just shone like a, you know, neon sign on the Las Vegas Strip. And it was like, what if Paul and Silas had said, you know what? This is just, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand. You know, all I'm doing, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm just following you, Jesus. I don't understand why this is happening. This should not be happening to me. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. What if they had, though? If they had, we would not have the book of Philippians because there would be no church in Philippi. What if they had? I don't know what it is that's messing with you, but I'm here to tell you that God, as surely as he was with them, he is with you. And you say, what do I need to make sure I do? Say, I'm still here. You say, why do you want to still be here? Oh, aren't you glad that we can read the rest of the story? It says, he called out for a light. He ran. He fell down. The jailer fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Woo! You remember what Acts chapter 2 says? In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will have uh, visions. Old men will have dreams. That's because they sleep more. And in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. And it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul heard the call. What must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. In other words, he said, just in case you wonder, this is not the end of your experience with God. This is not the end of prison doors open and jail cells opening and everyone being set free. This is only the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on now. We're still here. You're still here, church. Come on, everybody say, we're still here. We're not going nowhere. You say, what is that for? So that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The church, the work, the fruit, the result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, shake off those, those, those chains. Shake them off and stay with it. Because God has a plan to bring his saving life to your world. I like, I read this story, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it, it just helps to understand this truth so well. 
It's, it's from a book called The Amazing True Story of John Harper, the last hero of the Titanic. It's a true story. You know, April 15, 1912 is when the Titanic sank uh, with 1,517 lives. It was the largest, most luxurious ship at the time. It says uh, there was a widower named John Harper who was aboard the Titanic. He was an evangelist originally from Glasgow, Scotland, well known throughout the United Kingdom. He led many to Christ with his gifted preaching. But in 1912, Reverend Harper received an invitation to speak at the Moody Church in Chicago, USA. So on April 11th, John Harper boarded the Titanic. Some of the wealthiest people in the world were on board. Many passengers speaking of business deals, acquisitions, material desires. John Harper was diligently sharing the love of Christ with others. In days leading up to the tragedy, survivors reported seeing him, living like a man of faith, speaking kind words and sharing the love of Christ. On the evening of April 14th, as passengers danced in the ballroom, tried their luck at card tables, John Harper put his daughter to bed, read his devotions as he did every night. At 11.40 p.m., the Titanic struck an iceberg. The unsinkable ship was now doomed. Either in disbelief or unaware at the time, passengers continued about their pleasures. It wasn't until the ship's crew sent up a series of distress flares, passengers realized the seriousness of the situation and chaos ensued. It all happened so fast, but John Harper's response left a historic example of courage and faith. He woke his daughter, picked her up, wrapped her in a blanket before carrying her up to the deck. There he kissed her goodbye, handed her to a crewman who put her into lifeboat number 11. He knew he would never see his daughter again. She would be left an orphan at six years of age. He had been rebuffed by a certain man at the offer of salvation. So John Harper then took his life jacket off, gave it to the passenger, fellow passenger, saying, You need this more than I do. From a survivor we learned he was calling out, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Woo! Hallelujah. As the sound of terror and mayhem continued, Hopper focused on his God-given purpose. Survivors reported seeing him on the upper deck on his knees, surrounded by terrified passengers praying for their salvation. At 2.40, the Titanic disappeared beneath the North Atlantic, leaving a mushroom-like cloud of smoke and steam above her grave. And tragically, over a 1,000 people, including John Harper, were now fighting for their lives in the icy water. He managed to find a, a piece of floating wreckage to hold on to. You know, he didn't have a life jacket. Quickly, he swam to every person he could find, urging those about him to put their faith in Jesus Christ. His goal of winning people to Jesus Christ became more vital at this moment. Are you saved? He would cry, moving around in the water. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He would call out. And if they weren't saved or didn't understand the terminology, he would explain it as rapidly as he could. But soon he also succumbed, succumbed to the ICC. But in his last moment, this tireless man of undying faith continued winning lost souls. You say, how do you know that? Four years after the tragedy at a Titanic survivor meeting in Ontario, Canada, one survivor recounted his interaction with John Harper in the middle of the icy waters of the Atlantic. 
I am a survivor of the Titanic, he said. Quote, he said, I was one of only six people out of 1,517 to be pulled from the icy water on that dreadful night. Like hundreds around me, I found myself struggling in the cold, dark waters of the North Atlantic, the wail of the perishing ringing in my ears when there floated by me a man who called out to me, Is your soul saved? Ooh, he testified he was clinging to ship's debris when Harper swam up to him, twice challenging him with the biblical invitation, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Twice, he said, he rejected the offer once, but given a second chance, there, alone in the night with two miles of water under me, I cried to Christ to save me. This new believer was rescued by a returning lifeboat. As he concluded his remarks at the Ontario Meeting of Survivors, he simply stated, I am John Harper's last convert. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There is a call. There is an answer. Church, you are that answer. What's God going to do today? He's going to answer that cry. Yes. But the cry will only be answered by those who can say, we're still here. Hallelujah. Ooh, the prayer and the praise make a way. Take what the enemy meant to end the story and cause a fresh new story to be written. Thank you, Lord. You've made us who we are. We are the work of your hand. We are the family of God. You can turn that on. I think of all the songs we sing. This is one of my favorites. We wrote because you see, there may be some photos in your family album that you don't want to look at. But when you look at your photo in the family album that God has made you a part of, you see a picture of redemption. You see a picture of love. Receive it, love, for your great things. All your glory is in this place. Lord, we seek your face. So easy to, to minister here. I got about 150 directions. That's why we have two more nights, she said. Oh, Maria, so much. 
And I'm going, that bar is going to be this way. But then, oh, wait a minute. Maybe not. Kabo ora soma se tilipi pande kiambu o ora soma se no day by day, just one step at a time, just day by day. That will really tell the story. One step at a time will tell the story. But there's more. Are kiambu si tarama ares that that amor she el damanike elama la si la mo ora soma. So receive the strengthening that comes from his presence and his place in your life. Be strengthened by his mighty power that on the inside of you resides. Become aware of that and cause yourself to become more uh, in tune with his ability and you'll find yourself walking out things in ways that you thought were impossible, that you thought you never dreamed would be. Oh, but he will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will cause a highway to go right through the middle of the, the mountain and cause the valleys to be lifted up and crooked places straightened out. Oh, do not think according to only what you know by your natural ability. But say continually, all oh, things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with Him. And the strength and the ability of God will rise up in you. And by faith, you will enter in. Oh, fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.